0: You're about to hear a preview of Partially Examined Life supporter exclusive content. To learn how to get the whole thing, check out slash support. This is the Partially Examined Life, episode 324, part three, discussing Plato's Cratylus, and we're doing this close reading style. Hey, Wes. Hey, Mark. Let's get into this Cratylus. So the official line number is 428D, or it is page 144 of the Complete Works PDF that we have. Do you want to be Socrates? And we can just read through this. We could probably stop when necessary, rather than
1: whatever we want to spit off into something irrelevant. Sure. And just to give background for people who are just coming in on close reads and haven't listened to our Cratylus episode on the Partial Examined Life yet, although I recommend you do The question of the dialogue is whether there are correct names for each thing that belong to them by nature. And Hermogenes says no language is conventional, naming is conventional, and Cratylus has said actually there are natural names, and Socrates has given a defense of that throughout the dialogue by using etymology and by coming up with this crazy theory that the syllables and sounds of words imitate reality. All right. So now we're at this end point where there's going to be a huge plot twist and Socrates is going to reject the theory that he has used to defend Cratylus's position Four twenty-eight d Sure. But Cratylus, I have long been surprised at my own wisdom and doubtful of it too. That's why I think it's necessary to keep reinvestigating whatever I say since self-deception is the worst thing of all. How could it not be terrible indeed when the deceiver never deserts you even for an instant? but is always right there with you. Therefore, I think we have to turn back frequently to what we've already said in order to test it by looking at it backwards and forwards simultaneously, as the aforementioned poet puts it. It's Homer, of I course. forget which it's yeah, Homer, it's right? Not- <laughs> yep. So he didn't, well, he does Hesiod too. But anyway, so let's now see what we have said. We have said that the correctness of a name consists in displaying the nature of the thing it names. And is that statement satisfactory? Cratylus, in my view, Socrates, I don't think we should go back and forth. As, no, it's a dialogue. Because when I listen to people do this, it sounds really lame. And also, it's not going to be the way we want to divide divide up the labor anyway. Why don't you go ahead and read the next few lines? I just read that long speech. and In my view, Socrates, it is entirely satisfactory.
0: So names are spoken. In order. This is ridiculous. We should definitely do it as a dialogue. You just say their
1: name. All right, we'll do it as a dialogue. It's, <laughs> it's lamer in my view, but go ahead. In my view, Socrates, it is entirely satisfactory. So names are spoken in order to give instruction? Certainly. Is there a craft of that? And are there craftsmen who practice it? Certainly. Who are they? As you said at the beginning, they are the rule setters. Is this craft attributed to human beings in the same way as other crafts or not? What I mean is this. Aren't some painters better or worse than others? Certainly. Just to remind people from our PL discussion, the idea is that naming is like a tool, or the rules, in a way, are the tools by which original namers set the natural things for names. And to do that, they have to be supervised, quote unquote, by people who know what they're talking about, which turn out to be dialecticians, but all of the, it seems like another way of saying you have to be attuned to the functions of things. So for instance, if you are a shipbuilder, you have to be quote unquote supervised by the captain of the ship in the sense that you have to know what a ship is for in great detail and your craftsmanship has to be attuned to that. So we get this mythology, kind of state of nature mythology of a original group of rule setters guided by philosophically astute dialecticians and setting names for things and now he's going to introduce the possibility of gradations in the craftsmanship of that and the ability to do that which if you can induce gradations in how well or things are named or not then Cratylus's position falls apart
0: this is all nice review to this point yeah i'll read socrates here and the better painters produce finer products or paintings while the others produce inferior ones Similarly with builders, some build finer houses, others build inferior ones? Yes. Well, what about rule setters? Do some of them produce finer products, others inferior ones? No, there I no longer agree with you. So you don't think that some rules are better, others inferior? Certainly not. Nor names either, it seems. Or do you think that some names have been better given, others worse? Certainly not. So all names have been correctly given? Yes, as many as them are names at all. What about the case of Hermogenes, which we mentioned earlier? Has he not been given this name at all unless he
1: belongs to the family of Hermes? Or has he been given it, only not correctly? I think he hasn't been given it at all, Socrates. People take it to have been given to him, but it is really the the name of someone else. Namely, the very one who also has the nature. So the dialogue started out with this joke about Hermogenes was complaining that Cratylus is teasing him because his name doesn't really apply to him. He's not so swift. Like He's not so swift. He's, and I guess intellectually swift there's that connotation as well. So Hermogenes is not a bright guy, so he can't be named. <laughs> Hermogenes, in reality, he has the wrong name applied to him. And that just means that it's not that some kind of rule setting went wrong or rule set or messed up. It's just that it's not his name. Yeah. So we
0: clearly have an idea of naming here that is beyond the mundane, right? His parents gave him that name. Of course, that's his name. But if you want to say, well, they call him something, but they don't actually have the power to give him the name. The name has to be something, according to this theory, that describes him accurately. So when you're about to name your kids, I don't know, you should pray, you should look to the things themselves, you should do something to try to figure out. You're not coming up with a name. You are guessing what name your child should have. And you could get it right or you could get it wrong, and according to Cratylus, if you get it wrong, you actually haven't named them at all. They have a secret name. I guess the name that would give you power over them if, you, if we're talking about various fancy tropes. But you call
1: them something, but you it's actually, you've never called them by their name. And they can have multiple names because early on in the dialogue, it's acknowledged that there are different languages. And even with this, in the same language, you could accurately describe the same person. So... All that matters for Steanax for instance, the son of Hector, is that his name be amenable to being assimilated to the idea that he's king of the city. And at that point, the idea was being entertained that the parent and the child would have the same name, at least in substance, in the same way that a sheep you call a animal a sheep, you would expect the offspring to be a sheep as well. After that they concede that, well, the children are not always like the parents, and so you'd need names that reflect their character. And as we discussed in our episode, how do you, how do you do that? You don't even know who the child has become yet. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. All right. so let's, let's keep going.
0: What about when someone says our friend here is Hermogenes? Is he speaking falsely or is he not even managing to do that much? Is it even possible to say that he is Hermogenes if he isn't? What do you mean? That false speaking is in every way impossible. For isn't that what you are trying to say?
1: Certainly many people do say it nowadays, Cratylus. And many have said it in the past as well. But Socrates, how can anyone say the thing he says and not say something that is? Doesn't speaking falsely consist in not saying things that are? Your argument is too subtle for me at my age. All the
0: same, tell me this. Do you think it's possible to say something falsely, although it is not possible to
1: speak it falsely? What argument is Socrates evading there? I was curious about this when we did our discussion. I didn't really know exactly. I mean, I think he might be referring to... I mean, it's the
0: Parmenidean right? It's the, you can't say that which is not. So he deals with that in, Plato deals with that in the dialogue, the sophist as well, is that, sure, we can actually speak nothingness because what nothingness really is, according to Plato, is otherness. You're not really speaking nothing. You're just saying something that is other than some other thing that you're referencing. So if I want to say, do we have a good example here? I want to say dog and not dog, but that seems like
1: bad. Well, it sounds like the idea is that falsity must happen at the propositional level. There must be predication so that you attribute the wrong property to something as opposed to what? I vaguely remember this distinction in these dialogues you've mentioned.
0: Is it the case that, right, if we're drilling in, if we want to say as this dialogue posits earlier on, that not just sentences can be true or false, but in a sense, the components of sentences can be true or false because they can fail to pick out something in the world. They can fail to have referent. So either the subject, the present king of France is bald, the present king of France doesn't refer to anything because there is no present king of France. Or maybe even the word bald actually is present king of France is glob. Well what is glob? Well glob doesn't actually pick out anything. Or you could give a better example. It's not a nonsense word, but is the present king of France is the present king of France. How about that? There you go. The predicate doesn't apply either, but even a verb potentially Runs faster than the speed of light. Okay, that actually doesn't refer to anything. Those are just nonsense. Those are not false or non-referring or infelicitous, as J.L. Austin expands the true and false distinction to just, is it successful or is it not successful? You have not referred to something. It is an unhappy utterance. So,
1: Cratylus's implication is that if we say a word that doesn't refer, all right, so... We're not actually saying something. How can anyone say the thing he says and not say something that is? That suggests that when we refer to something like the present king of France, we're not saying at all on this theory because we're not saying something that is.
0: Well, can we say that at a propositional level true? So if I say the cat is on the moon, that sentence is trying to pick out a state of affairs in the world. It fails to refer to any state of affair. There is no cat that is on the moon whatsoever. So, therefore, it is in the same way, it's like a non-referring name. That's at least what's being, I think, Socrates rejects it. No, you can just say it's false. It's fine. You don't have to say it's nonsense. Right. If that sounds like the kind of thing that you want to hear more about, then please go to partiallyexaminelifecom slash
1: support. Thanks for listening.